Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. We're recording today from the Plainfield Christian Science Church, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. Our subject this morning is life, and we are very grateful you all could join us. And we have some visitors. We have Nathan from California today and his friend Jeremy from Brooklyn. Glad they could come. It's nice to have some young guys around. <laughs> oh, my. Okay. One more of prayer. I'm reading from page 222 and 224 of Divinity Course and General Collectania. Abide in the 91st Psalm and know that such abiding is treatment and protection. There is nothing than there is nothing than that can make laws or influence you. There is but one mind and that is love. Do not give life to evil by attaching it to a person or a thing. It cannot live without a body. Man is immortal one. There is but one infinite manifestation. No error can attach itself to man and why deceive ourselves by thinking it can do so. Every manifestation of life is ever present and omnipresent good. And this carries within itself all healing, sustaining, Know that the kingdom of heaven is within you, and this is your armor. Oh, may the light that shines, that is never dim, so encompass you that no light is there, no night is there. May his angels Hold thee in their power, that songs of science be heard in the intuitions of thought, till your life is the tune with rhythm of God. Amen. Rebecca Eddy. Beautiful. Thank you. Where was Thank that? you very much. Two 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 in the blue book, or? and two two four. Oh, yeah, you. two two and two two four. Thank you. That just supports all the love that I'm feeling this morning. <laughs> I'm very very grateful. Yes. Yeah. All right, the watching point. Um, watch number two hundred and twenty-six. Watch lest you believe that the influx of life to man can ever be lessened or cut off. In fact, man himself is the efflux of life. Mrs. Eddy once said, quote, I am the ceaseless intake of God's eternal giving, end quote. A diver might find his imagination playing, on, playing him a trick suggesting that the supply of air coming down to him from his friends on the deck of the boat was lessening. He might believe that they were forgetting him, ceasing to pump the air that he needed. He might even suffer as a result of this trick of his imagination. When reason corrects this mistaken belief and subdues the rising tide of fear, he is freed from any bad effects. Then, of course, he discovers that while he was entertaining his little private nightmare, <laughs> his friends were sending him all the fresh air needed. Once an invalid who was left alone in her home fancied that she smelled escaping gas. She was helpless to do anything about shutting it off, but she did manage to telephone for help before she was overcome by the fumes. When the helpers arrived, there was no gas leak to be discovered, and the lady soon recovered. Later, she was able to laugh at the way her imagination had tricked her. 
In line with this, science declares that man never dies, never grows old, never has a lessening of life and vigor. Thus, such things are no more than tricks of the imagination. Mrs. Eddy once said, quote, There is nothing gained by waiting for death, for it never comes. We must individually lift ourselves above the claims of the senses. End quote. Thank you. So any comments on that? I love that, having a little private nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds too familiar. <laughs> Life is really eternal. Yes. And that quote from Mrs. Eddy, and remember that, I am a ceaseless intake of God's eternal giving. Always ceaseless. Always going on. So don't let that wake yourself up from, the private, from your private nightmare to listen to the angels because they're there. I have been working with um, the uh, article of wonderful things are happening and it's great to study it. And it's also just wonderful to have in your, in your consciousness. So when mortal mind tries to bring you into the nightmare, you can say, Nope, wonderful things are happening and know it. Good. Thank you. That's the trick, isn't it? To know it. Because sometimes it doesn't appear that way. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's such a big difference to know it versus saying it. And, and I can't explain the difference, but when I feel the difference, and I'm not trying to do a play on words here, then I do know it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it can't be an intellectual. It's got to be felt. Well, it can't be wishful thinking. You know, there are people that don't have the right, that are sort of removed from reality. <laughs> and they're sort of wishfully thinking their way through life. That doesn't work, does it? <laughs> no, unless you recognize that God is all. And everything starts with God, including my own life. You don't have a firm foundation. And that's and the Yeah. And everything that we're taught here, um, in order to know it, you can't, be, I can't be fearful. I can't be anxious. Um, I can't have my thoughts going all over everywhere. Um, peace, be still. All of those are such critical factors. And so they're so wonderful. Uh -huh. yeah. They don't go with science, the fear and the, all the others. Absolutely. Yeah, I was listening to Peter's song, I Belong to My Heavenly Father. It's so beautiful. And just remember that. Belong to your Heavenly Father. I woke up with it in my head. I figured that was a message. <laughs> and his words are always so beautiful. So remember, you belong to your Heavenly Father, and he loves you and provides all good for you. And you can see him as a loving father. All right, Lil, you want to read the golden text for us, subject life? The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's a wonderful promise. And um, Carol, you read the responsive reading, please. It's from Genesis. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them, and blessed them. And Enoch lived sixty and five years, and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Thank you. I've always loved that story of Enoch. It's a short story, but um, 
it's interesting these first two stories we have in this lesson on Enoch and then Elisha and Elijah Elijah and Elisha I guess is a better way um, and and Enoch didn't go through the so-called death process nor did Elisha they walked out and um, Carrie sent me some interesting articles this week I'm going to read from a little bit. And the first, uh, she says, the book of Enoch the prophet is in Mrs. Eddy's Chestnut Hill study, but it, it has Calvin Fry's name on it. So I, I am thinking that he might have shared it with her or given, given it to her to read. So, and I did look it up. You can get it on Amazon. I thought it might be interesting, the book of Enoch the prophet. See what said about him. And then also, this was from an old Christian Science Journal, 1890. What are we to understand from the account of the translations of Enoch and Elijah? The translation of Enoch and Elijah prove that it, it is possible for one to pass on to the next experience without going through the belief of death. But still, the belief in death as a reality remained. Jesus allowed, to the world sense, the belief of death to pass upon him. The purpose of his resurrection was to prove the nothingness of the king of terrors. He destroyed its false claim, robbed the grave of its supposed victory. The declaration of Christian science, there is no death, is based upon Jesus' demonstration. I wanted to go back to the... Uh Golden text for a second. That's all right. Sure. Um, this is this is Paul writing to the Romans. He says the gift of God is eternal life. But what does that really mean? Is this like a gift that he specially doled out to somebody? I mean, is this is. Is this a gift in the human sense of giving you a gift because <laughs> it's your birthday? <laughs> it's your birthday. It's our birthright. It's birthright. Yeah. yeah, it's not really a gift, is it? I, I mean, somewhere, I, I don't know who, somebody makes a point. Maybe it's Wilcox, Martha Milk Wilcox. This is not a really a gift in the human sense of a gift. This is a divine fact. It's a law. It's a principle. We are, we are the manifestation of eternal life. It's not something that God doles out to a few people here and there. That is why what Enoch did, what Elijah did, what Jesus did in their ascension is a demonstration of an eternal, of a divine fact that is true for all of us. And a lot of people have passed on and come back and said, wait a minute, you know, <laughs> I went through this experience, but I was still around. So eternal life is the fact for each one of us. Anyway, I just wanted to make that point that this is not a special gift because there are a lot of people who think that God kind of doles out gifts here and there, and maybe they missed out. Well, no, nobody ever missed out on what God created, which is eternal life. Anyway. Lawrence, did you want to? So, yeah, that's a, so then whatever we've done, if we didn't correct it, when that time comes and to the other side, we still have to wake up and do it right. So thank might you. as well do it right now. Yes. Yeah, thank you. And that's why she created a lesson on probation after death. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Goes on. Yeah. Yes, well... I love, and I've given this before. I keep it in my in my lesson book, Mary Baker Eddy's from page seventy four of the Red Book. 
instead of being bound for the grave, we must know we are on the eternal road of life that has no sense of death. So, so remember, you're on the road to eternal life. It doesn't even have a sense of death. Meeting Craig here. Yeah. <laughs> late. So. And something else that um, Carrie sent was an article called The Third Day by Lewis Lewis from an old journal, 1921. And he writes, and the evening and the morning were the third day. And then on page 508 of Signs and Health with Key to the Scriptures, the third stage in the order of Christian science is an important one to human thought letting in the light of spiritual understanding. This stage is not to be measured by material time or 72 hours, but rather is the third day symbolic. She further adds this period corresponds to the resurrection when spirit is discerned to be the life of all and the deathless life of mind dependent upon no material organization. And then it goes on. Who shall ascend into the holy, into the hill of the Lord, as the psalmist, and answers, He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Enoch proved that through right thinking and living, he was enabled to ascend into the hill of the Lord, or far enough above the belief in matter to see it disappear. We read that he was a just man, and that he walked with God, or we might say he was spiritually minded and understood God to be spirit and man as his likeness, to be wholly spiritual and not material. And so we read that Enoch was translated or ascended above the evidence of the material senses. The helpful experience of Elijah and Elisha who proved to be great prophets or spiritual seers is a valuable lesson to the pilgrims of this century ascending the ladder of life. Elijah saw the light and knew that he was about to make his demonstration in making it the ascension. The sons of the prophets must have been perplexed when they came to inform Elisha of the great event at hand. But Elisha, the spiritually minded man, simply answered, Yes, I know. Hold your peace. While the others, because of their materially mindedness, stood afar off. We find Elisha quiet and confident, refusing to leave his master's side. But Elijah's greatest lesson was yet to be learned. At the supreme moment, as Elijah was about to disappear, he said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha answered, Let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Elijah's reply was, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. In other words, he learned that the prophetic mantle or power to heal could not be transferred from one individual to another, but must be gained individually through the third stage in Christian science of letting in the light that exposes the unreality, the nothingness of matter, and reveals the allness of spirit. And so when the demonstration took place, he beheld the ascension through the spiritual vision. He was enabled to take up the work where Elijah had left off. He took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord of Elijah? And when he had also spent the waters, they parted hither and thither. So... Anyway, I, I thought it was so beautiful. It kind of explains some of the things that it takes if we, if we want to just make an ascension and how faithful Elisha was to Elijah. So, Linda, what did you write on the forum? I loved Parthen's article, the little parts that I read. And the part that I loved was a little paragraph that read, at each step of the journey, Elijah was saying, stay here, don't go any further. And he was testing Elijah to see if Elijah would stay with him and how much Elijah, Elijah wanted to follow him and be with him. 
and Elijah passed the test saying in so many words, look, there's no way, no way at all I'm leaving you. I'm staying with you and I don't want to be anywhere else, end quote. And that just reminded me of the quote I was given here by a practitioner in classes that said, for the Lord God will help you, therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint. And that was Isaiah 50. And that has helped me get through a lot of tough periods to set my face like a flint. So Thank that's you. what that spoke to me. Thank you. Yes. Because Arrow will always tell you reasons why you want to turn around or you don't want to take stay on this path or it's too hard or I'm not demonstrating or I don't know. All I'm times. sure you all have your <laughs> own versions of that. So you have to have that mindset that you're not going to turn back. You're going to keep going. And you'll finish your course with joy, as Mrs. Mm-hmm. Eddy says. It's wonderful that Elijah didn't have a, a, any personal sense of Elijah. He wasn't yes. trying to keep him here. He was whatever was the right thing. Yes. That was very, very important. In fact, we were talking to Nathan about, you know, the people who had a personal sense of Mrs. Evans, they're not here anymore. You had to impersonalize the work that goes on. Um, otherwise, it. Otherwise, you'll find a reason to leave. <laughs> yeah. And we all have reasons come to us to try to get us to leave. And they were all the result of personalizing what Mrs. Evans did. And Mrs. Eddy had the same thing, didn't she? People who personalized her went off and formed their own, you know, their, their own concept of what they thought, you know. And that's where, you know, faith cure and new age, and that's where all that stuff came from. It was students of Mrs. Eddy who personalized her. And of course, Jesus had it in spades. But when we see God at work in somebody or some buddies, then we're safe. Cut through the human and see God at work, and you'll never you'll never be misled. No. Well, and this this article goes on. It's interesting because it says on the third day Jesus arose, right, as he promised he would. Third day, and then um, and it said years after the resurrection and ascension of our Master, we come to Paul, a persecutor of Christians. He also gained a vision of the risen Christ three days after he was struck blind. And then Mrs. Eddy, in miscellaneous writings, writes, quoting. Um, Bible, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And then she said, this knowledge came to me in an hour of great need, and I give it to you as a deathbed testimony to the day star that dawned on the night of material sense. This knowledge is practical, for it wrought my immediate recovery from an injury caused by an accident and pronounced fatal by the physicians. On the third day thereafter, I called from my Bible and opened it to Matthew 9, 2. As I read the healing, excuse me, as I read the healing truth, truth dawned upon my sense. And the result was that I rose, dressed myself, and, and ever after was in better health than I had ever before enjoyed. So, sometimes you might struggle wait for that third day to come for the light to shine on you and um and it will it has to oh the fact that she says deathbed testimony i learned that a deathbed testimony is not considered hearsay it's considered like a true account because there's no reason for a person to lie at that stage wow so I think that's, that's really interesting. That is very interesting. Thank you. I love that quote of hers describing what happened. So. Now, when you're down that far, you've got nothing to lose, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everything to win. 
a day start that dawned on the night of material sense. But that's a, I just thought, that's why, you know, it's so tempting to give up after the first day. It's very tempting to give up after the second day. But don't. Don't ever give up. Because on the third day, or whenever that day occurs, and you've worked through whatever you have to work through, you will be better than you've ever been before. Yes. And we've all, we've all proven it to ourselves one way or another. And sometimes a mighty struggle takes place with the material senses or casting, casting it down, right? <laughs> Nathan likes to say, cast, cast it down. Cast down those thoughts that would try to limit and prevent you or make you miserable in all kinds of ways. So, I, I just wanted to say one other thing about I. I never thought of this before, but about Enoch, Enoch was, you know, he he had a family. He he lived a life, but still, still had that ascension. So I thought that you. was a very, very uh, promising thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No. It, well, he obviously, apparently, obviously saw his children as God's creation and not his own. So, yeah, he had a family. He had, he lived, he farmed, you know, who knows what he did for a living. But he saw God as providing it. And that's what it means when it says he walked with God. Yeah, that's so beautiful. He walked with God. Just a closer walk with thee. Um, and and so let us think of ourselves as as an Enoch or an Elisha, that we can walk out of this experience. We don't have to have go through portals of so-called death, but we can walk out. And so in the next, and it was um, Parthens who sent us the Bible study on Elisha's journey, and the places Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho, and Jordan. The first one. Did any of you read? The this account Gilgal. What did Gilgal represent? Uh, yeah, I I did read it. <laughs> I have it right here. <clears throat> um. So the um. Did you want me to read it, or did you? Well, it's separation. Yes, separation. Spiritual meaning of Gilgal is separation. And the first, it was a separation from your past. Yeah. Giving up your past. You can't carry that burden on you. Remember, what was it that we saw that cartoon? Um, oh, the journey. Oh, yeah, with the big. Yeah, the big bag. But, you know, everybody knows that story. Pilgrim's Progress. Pilgrim's, Pilgrim's Progress. Yeah, that's what this reminded me of. Yeah, he had a big bag. He kept carrying, trying to carry it up the mountain. Nobody Finally, else could see it, right? Nobody else could see it. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, he realized he had to, to drop it. Had to drop it. You can go around and around and around with things of your past, but you have to separate yourself from that. And then, and then it also goes into circumcision, um, which was. Uniting, he uses separating, but it's separating yourself un, unto God, unto God. So we need to be reminded that God is a living God and that he acts on behalf of his people. I'm skipping over this. No, this is still Gilgal. So Gilgal, separation, a separation from your past, all the humanists of your life, the human existence, and separating yourself unto God. Which is a nice thought way to think of it. So, and you can read, because it's interesting. Um, it all has all these places of significance. There were stones, there were stones at Gilgal, and they were set up as a mo monument and reminder so that anyone who looked at them would remember that God is alive and, and well. Okay, and then 
the Lord said to Joshua, today I've rolled away the approach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day, rolled away the reproach, all that negative history and past they had. And then the circumcision, which speaks, it was a sign that they had made a covenant with God. So your separation unto God. Okay, and then Bethel. House of God. It's a spiritual meaning of it. Um, mentions, talks about, um, uh, let's see, what is it? Um, Jacob called the place Bethel. It was talking about the Jacob's ladder and how he had the angels of God ascending and descending. But, um, walk, um, let's see, where is it? What does that mean to us? Bethel speaks to us about the Lord's presence. It is where he is. It is the desire that we should have to be in his presence. Yes. And later on, it refers to, which I love so much, that was in the Wednesday night readings, date where David's Psalm 27. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. That's so, such a beautiful thought. I mean, you could ask yourself during, during the day, is this the one thing that you're seeking? Are you, are you conforming to these three things? <laughs> it's one thing and three things. It helps keep you in the straight and narrow way when you really think about it and imbibe it. So yeah, Jacob, and Bethel, he had that, yes, ascending and descending. And, um, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not of it. So he had a feeling of the presence and power of God with him. And so that's what Bethel is all about. So first... Gilgal, we get rid of our past, any condemnation, the negative things, our humanness, and make ourselves separate unto the Lord. And then Bethel, we want to dwell in his house and seek him forever. And then it goes to Jericho. And you all know the story about Jericho, right? It was the first battle they had to have in the promised land, and the walls came tumbling down. So, this, the significance of Jericho was faith. Because they had to obey God. This is an example of obeying God before you understand, right? Mm. Yeah. I mean, if you were told to go around the city and <laughs> seven blow, times. And blow the horn. Blow the horn, would, would you be willing to do it? <laughs> but they did it, and they realized why they did it, right? So, they were walking yeah. faith. So remember all these in your daily walk, because if you're if you're doing these things, you are walking, as Mrs. Eddie says on the quote I gave that I love about the eternal road of life that has no sense of death. Um, Mrs. Eddie says in some of her healings or <clears throat> people who are healed that they they were healed not because they understood Christian Science, but because they had the faith that first that God would to criticize her healer this lady and and the understanding came later thank you as they just uh, so it's kind of they walked by faith and then they understood thank you that's beautiful Craig right so and and she says in the textbook she said encourage out there ones and I'm not a direct quote, but she says, our objective, a step beyond faith, is to understand the science. Yeah. But she's, you know, clearly the faith has to be there to get started. Yeah. Yeah, you just have to. I mean, otherwise, the human mind's going to give you every reason why. I mean, this is, they'll say, this is ridiculous. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Really, I mean, why would you turn to to science prayer 
if you don't have any faith at all. There has to be something, something, yeah. even a tiny bit. That's why you turn to it. Yes. You think of what the master said when he was healing. It was often not to fear, but also believe, have faith, right? Those were the two things. And, and sometimes to get up, to rise up out of your bed of self-pity or whatever else, and anguish. Get up. Rise up out of it. Separate yourself. Separate yourself. Identifying yourself as Thank that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. But but identifying yourself as that. And according to your faith, the master taught. Yes. So you were healed. According to your faith. Mm -hmm. Some of those wonderful healings. He said, "What I have not seen faith so great." Yeah. Mm -hmm. Make sure you cultivate your faith by walking with God and seeing how he's operating in your life and acknowledging it, as we talked about la last week, every moment, acknowledging God's presence and power. That's how you cultivate faith. In the, the past, in the stories about the other, like the um, Daniels and the three boys, the three Jewish boys, and all those, and they, give, they give faith, I think. They sure? They yeah. And how do we maintain our faith from day to day? I remember in what, we, what has been done. Hitherto has he helped us, and hitherto he will. Yes. It's our gratitude, isn't it, that maintains it. Mm -hmm. And that's why Mrs. Eddy said not to have ingratitude was the... Um, some total of all evil. Some total of all wow. evil. Mm-hmm. So then the last place they went to was um, Jordan. Jordan, yes, the Jordan River. And it's explained there, and I think it's important that um, you, you totally give yourself up to God. You cross over. You cross over. It's totally, totally give yourself to the Father. And, um, I don't know if it was in the uh, writings that Tarth had said, but I wrote down, serve and then live. <laughs> you serve and then you live. Serve and live, yeah. Well, it says the Jordan, like the Israelites' Red Sea experience, speaks to us of baptism, death, and resurrection. The practical outworking of this is laying down of our lives. That is why I call this section the eternal principle. Jesus' whole life dem demonstrated this principle, but it was clearest as he contemplated the cross. So not my will, but thy, thy will, Father. So I thought it was interesting. All these places represent... Um, states and stages of thought. Yes, states and stages of thought and what you need to be doing right now. Don't wait now. Be doing this daily. Mrs. Eddy has said every time you overcome any negativity, any sickness in your life, you're overcoming the death. It's all wrapped up together. And you're not just doing it for you. You're doing it for all mankind. So. When God led the Israelites out of Egypt across the desert and promised them the, quote, quote, the promised land. They finally, after 40 years, crossed the Jordan River into what they you know, had been told is the promised land. Some of them saw it as a material thing, as a place, you know, where they could farm and raise sheep and, you know, have a good life. But that wasn't really what it was all about. What it was all about was dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. In other words, it was a state of thought. In order to get there, they had to have faith in God, and they had to be grateful to God. And that was the promised land. 
is that state of thought where you are with God and you're doing exactly what God has for you to do and you're enjoying it. <laughs> and you're having dominion over all the stupid, limited, mortal beliefs. That is the promised land. And that is what happened to Elijah crossing the Jordan. He got rid of, he, he went into the promised land with God. Left, left all the mortal beliefs behind. I was um, going through our 2022 calendar that Sharon has done a wonderful job putting all these wonderful quotes together. But one of them that I love so much by Big Dal Young says, the only way to get into heaven is to break the claim that you are not there now. Isn't that great? Isn't that true? And this is all that we've talked about. This is what we're doing. We're breaking the claim that you're not there now. The symbols disappear. We get more and more into our truth. So there were some other things I'm going to read from the calendar that I I liked. I jotted down. One was Ben Franklin. Tell me and I forget. Teach me and I remember. Involve me and I learn. And honestly, this is what our church, I thought, um, we try to get you involved. And that's why. So you learn. So you can begin to take on the mantle of demonstration. Become a disciple, not just a convert. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then this is Peter V. Ross. Whatever is possible to God is possible to you. You have his strength, his understanding, and his power. They are yours. And then Helen Banks, in a mind full of joy, pain cannot continue. Don't ever lose your joy. And then Martin Luther King, I've decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. How true is that? No kidding. Whoa. Hmm. And this is a, a Swedish proverb. Fear less, hope more, wine less, breathe more, talk less, say more, hate less, love more. And all good things are yours. And then the last one I wrote down was Louise Knight Wheatley Cook. Rise each morning to greet the coming day with a heart full of gratitude for its radiant possibilities. That's what my little house wrens morning glory and jubilee do <laughs> every morning without fail. And I don't know, this morning I didn't go outside and that little jubilee jumped onto my screen, my study. <laughs> I know, it was so cute. It was as she was checking up on things. Anyway. To make sure you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of, of calendar uh, messages, today's is so wonderful. God's work is done, and His creation exists and must continue to exist, completely har harmonious and perfect. Maurice Kennedy. I'm very grateful for that, also. Thank you. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I'll just say what Jasmine wrote on the forum, part of what she wrote was, so this week's lesson, life, is a catch cry calling me to retreat into science and health. I am longing more deeply to comprehend the Christ precepts set out by Mary Baker Eddy. These words of Mary Baker Eddy are my intoxicating guides while studying, contemplating, and meditating upon the, those precepts. By knowing the unreality of sin, disease, and death, you demonstrate the allness of God. And then Jesus taught us to walk over, not into or with the currents of matter or mortal mind. I guess that's a quote from Mrs. Eddy. So, so we should feel inspired to do this, to just say, wow, why do I want to seek anything else but this? This is so great. Um, it's so true. And she is all in there. Everything, every question, everything. You really don't need any other books. Just read prose works in science and health and the Bible. 
And then other books as God directs you to, yes. So on the forum this week, also Joanne spoke about the measurement of life by solar years robs youth and gives ugliness to age. The radiant sun of virtue and truth coexists with being. Manhood is its eternal noon, undimmed by a declining sun. As the physical and material, the transient sense of beauty fades, the radiance of spirit should dawn upon the enraptured sense with bright and imperishable glories. And then also that part, never record ages. Now, and it goes on, each succeeding year, which I love and fulls wisdom, beauty, and holiness. Oh, my, let's shape our views of existence in the lovely freshness and continuity. And fear never stop being in its action. The blood, heart, lungs, brain, etc. have nothing to do with life. God, every function of the real man is governed by the divine mind. All of these things are very cleansing and purifying. But this idea of never recording ages. Um, now, I'm going to have Gary read up. It, we've read it before, um, but I love this. He's going to read a little bit from the Bliss Nap book, The Destiny of the Mother Church, at the end. But she speaks to this. Now, all of you can do what you want. If you don't want to record ages, you don't have anything to do with it, fine. But, hey, you know, in our church, we've always maybe send a card or sometimes you hear us at the end of the service. We break into happy birthday to you. <laughs> it's the day that we say, what do we say? Well, the Lord put us here to do his work. Yeah. The day that we were put on this earth to do his work. And Nathan, and I was very grateful for this, reminded me and, and also later Nancy from Texas that July 16th, which was, I guess, Thursday, right? July 16th, 1821, was Mrs. Eddy's birthday. 200 years. And how we can acknowledge and be grateful for her and what she's done. And that was the day she was put on this earth to fulfill God's purpose for her, which she certainly did. And we put a, a little tribute on the carousel. And I asked Jeremy to put that quote that I love so much from Mrs. Eddy, where she says, as Mary Baker Eddy, I am the weakest of mortals. As the discoverer of Christian science, I am the bone and sinew of the world. Hmm. So. And I know, I remember Mary said, as she lived in Bull, New Hampshire one day, this is what they say Mary was. So she separated her spiritual. <laughs> she said, I, and, I wasn't born there. I was born in mind. I was born in mind. And that she was doing what we talked about, Gilgal, separating her past. So, and Hello? It, yes. Hi. Um, also about never record ages, I... I thought it was so wonderful that it says next to it in your appearance and yeah. you know in in this world where so much or almost everything is about appearance and age i thought it was so important that he said next to it never record ages in your appearance Thank so you. when we are doing all this about looking at the mirror and seeing if this and that and especially like now i have gray hair people get a big thing about it and get into a lot of aging thing because of that so it was so important to say in your appearance so just don't even bother to, with the appearance thank you yes yes one of our students because i think mrs eddie said I, i'm 84 years old today or something like that and and she said i know you're going to tell me never record ages <laughs> but then she said in your appearance she added that thank you ingrid Okay, we're going to listen to this beautiful few pages from Blissnap. From the Destiny of the Mother Church, page 43. Mrs. Eddy remained in Roslindale but a few months and then returned to Concord, New Hampshire and offered the Roslindale place for sale. During the brief time that Mrs. Eddy was Mr. Knapp's neighbor, occasionally he used to take her on her daily drive. 
and this gave her an opportunity to observe some of his characteristics. Although he had accepted Christian science quite normally and had made it practical in daily experience, yet some of his views were rather extreme. For instance, after he came into Christian science, he considered politics so corrupt and so unscientific that he refused to vote. This idea, however, was corrected when Mrs. Eddy showed him his duty as a good citizen. He also had an abnormal sense about celebrating birthdays. Mrs. Eddy saw that this too needed correction. So on his birthday, which came during her stay in Roslindale, she sent him a present. <laughs> she gave him her photograph in a hand-painted frame and a vase filled with beautiful flowers. She remembered Bliss Knapp also on his birthday by sending him her favorite canary bird in a handsome brass cage. Mr. Knapp learned his lesson and from that time was less extreme regarding ordinary human affairs. It must be remembered, however, that anyone who went to the opposite extreme would also have merited Mrs. Eddy's rebuke. While she was still in Roslindale, Mrs. Eddy decided one afternoon to call upon Mr. and Mrs. Knapp. She walked through her garden, gay with summer flowers, and went across the street to their house. The family were all at home, and were so glad to have the opportunity of thanking Mrs. Eddy personally for various gifts which they had received from her. Daphne Knapp was particularly appreciative of her present. Two charming black enameled bracelets, which Mrs. Eddy herself had worn. Mrs. Eddy observed without comment that Ralph Knapp was silent amid all these expressions of gratitude, and she remembered that she had given him no present. Scarcely half an hour after she had left the house, she sent Mr. Fry over with a beautiful little clock for Ralph. This was but one instance of Mrs. Eddy's loving consideration for all with whom she came in contact. After Mrs. Eddy's return to Concord, New Hampshire, Mr. Knapp was asked to search again for the home which Mrs. Eddy knew God had prepared for her. Early in December, 1891, she herself was led to a beautiful tract of land on the outskirts of Concord, which she purchased. She named her home Pleasant View, and in writing to Mr. Knapp about it, she said that she had longed for a home by the seaside, but instead God had prepared it on a hillside. She wrote, quote, My house here stands upon a very sightly hill, and the sides remind me of the Galilean slopes where my brother walked and wept and prayed. End quote. So that is our leader. <laughs> and the sense of my brother. Yes, yeah. so beautiful. Yes. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.